Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. But let's get back into the word. If you have your Bible, say yeah. yeah. If you have a phone, Just lean over to someone who is Christian with a Bible. That's terrible. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, we're continuing this series called Word and Power. It's a walk through this specific chapter in the Gospel of Luke, the Lucene account of Jesus's life and ministry. As a recap, we have been walking through the book of Luke every fall. I believe that the Gospel of Luke, written by a physician to a specifically Greek audience for a specific purpose of detailed narrative of all that Jesus was and did, is the best way to look at the gospel. I'm partial to the gospel of Luke because it has the most details and I think details matter. What we do as a church is we walk through text in full text. So this fall we've been doing both Luke chapter seven and now we're in chapter eight. We do this to prevent helicoptering or pretext. The desire of every Christian is to know the word, not just pick out some of the words that you like when they match what you like in the moment, amen? So we read things in context, which means sometimes you will hear things you love, amen? Today you will hear something that challenges you. Amen. 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 Get with me. Okay. Today, before we do this, I want to prepare you. So do me a favor. Bible's open. Heart's open. Hand on your heart. Join me in this. Okay. Okay. Say this with me. Today will be a hard word, but I'm made for hard word, for good truth and for the power of the gospel. God, open my heart, open my mind, make me like you. Amen? Amen. All right, you prayed that prayer, so just so you know. Luke chapter eight, we're gonna pick up right now in verses 16 through 18, just three verses today, a very common story. I know you've heard this before. We're gonna take a real close look at what Jesus is saying. He's speaking, Luke eight sixteen. he says this, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but they put it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And for one, from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. The title of our message today is from an REM song. It's Shiny Happy People. See, there's like four of us that even know who REM is. Man, this is my church though, and I love it because there's four of us who know who Michael Stipe is. Come on now. And then next week we'll do a Curtis Blow song and it'll all fit together because we're one big church. Shiny Happy People is the title of our message today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for you. Thank you for this word and thank you for us. This is not an accident. You called us here right now for this time. Do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have you ever, um, have you ever just hated being a Christian? 
Have you ever known that you were a Christian? And, and like said the prayer and believed the things you were supposed to believe. But if you're absolutely honest with yourself, like you just didn't enjoy it. Like when you went to church, just, you know, like I see some people like it, but I don't get it. Or when you hear other people talk about reading their Bible, like the Bible is just a mystery to you. Or someone says, we should go out and witness. I, I imagine, whenever I think about witness, I always think about you, Brandy. Because anybody in our church knows what it's truly like to just talk about Jesus to anybody. It's you, right? And if you haven't met Brandy, you will get saved when you meet Brandy. You think you're saved, you ain't saved. Watch this. Well, whenever I think about that, I always think about you, and I wonder how many times people have met you and seen you in your exuberance and your passion for telling people about Jesus, and they think to themselves, I could never do that. How many of you have ever felt like, God, I, I, I wanna be a Christian, but like, ugh. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody in here? Sometimes, can we say this? Like, it, we feel like there's a promise that just being a Christian will be so fulfilling. And there are days, weeks, dare I say months, where some of us feel completely unfulfilled. And if we're totally honest, unchanged. Yeah, and we're like Christian in name, but nothing more. And I think that this is what Jesus is really leaning into today. It's gonna be a hard word, but I'm actually here to encourage you in a greater measure. I wanna tell you this, plain and simple. There is, here's the promise, there is unparalleled joy available to Christians that the world cannot replicate or manufacture. I want to tell you that right now. It's a real thing. When we started this church, I told our teams, we want to be the church that's known for the spirit of joy. Of all the fruits of the spirit, joy, we want that one to be the place. We want that to be known for here, right here and now. When you come, you're going to be like, whoa, these people are bonkers. And you meet Brandy and you're like, yes, what? I want to know Jesus like that, right? And it's a real thing. It's not manufactured. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm happy. I want to tell you today that there is really an opportunity for Christians to wake up in the morning and be like, let's go. You can say what Pastor Ty says on an ongoing basis. You can shout, let's go! <laughs> but here's the key, okay? The key to tapping into this is whether or not you're on mission. That's, good. That's it. I'm not gonna lie to you and like, uh, read you from somebody else's book about how to live your best life now or how to, uh, how to bear fruit or how to be excitable or how to be wonderful or how to smile all the time or how to fake it till you make it. I wanna tell you the God's honest hard truth is to find that kind of bubbling up, ever growing joy is to be on the mission of Jesus Christ. And you might say, of course, he's gonna tell me that. <laughs> he's my pastor. He's gonna say that the way to be happy is to serve, but it's absolutely true. And here's the deal, the mission is, is super clear. It's not stacking chairs, though you will find joy in serving on the Bluebird crew in two weeks, stacking chairs. No, the mission is actually super clear. The mission I'm talking about, this mission, this mission that you and I are all called to. It's in Matthew chapter 28. You know it. Jesus speaks to his disciple. In verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's in that moment he says, just so you know, I'm God. And here's what you're called to do. 
He says, go therefore and, ready? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. That's the mission. Well, better yet, that's your mission. I think you might hear that and think Jesus is talking to the disciples, okay? So the 12, they're supposed to do it. It's true. He is descriptively, that passage is descriptive. He's talking to the 12, but every scholar throughout the world who's done any study of the Bible would also describe this passage as prescriptive, meaning he's talking not only to them, but through them to you. And you might say, great, wonderful, pastor. So the Great Commission is for uh, pastors and leaders and clergy. Go make disciples. I got to be one of those disciples. No, that's not it. Ready? It's to you. Go and make disciples is your mission. Amen? And I want to push you today and tell you it sounds daunting, but there's a secret in it that when you're on mission, everything changes. You won't live unfulfilled when you're fulfilling the Great Commission. Taking notes, write that down. I just heard it too. It sounded awesome. You won't live unfulfilled if you are fulfilling the Great Commission. Today, we're going to look through these, just these three verses in just 30 minutes tops, okay? We're going to talk through these three verses, exactly what Jesus is saying in this moment so that you don't go over this passage quickly. You don't jump over it. You don't miss it. You understand the marrow. So the first thing I want to tell you is this. Hear me. Ready? Super encouraging. You were meant to shine. You were born to shine. You were made to demonstrate, to illuminate, to reflect, to shine, baby. Come on, somebody. You were made for this. This is who you are. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. He didn't make you and go, try again. No, not one of you in here was an afterthought. Everyone was perfectly crafted, wonderfully, beautifully made to be like a chandelier. And so when his light shines through you, every room around you is lit up. You were made to shine. Every one of you. You say, pastor, not me. I'm dark. I'm dim. I, I don't feel it. Don't you worry. You were made to shine. You can't stay dark forever. Now, Jesus is talking about that in this moment. And, and he's really echoing the mission of this church. If you're new to this church, you should know our slogan is, we are the beacons built with broken pieces, shining the light of Jesus. That's who we are. We believe that this church is meant to be populated by people who walk in here not only broken, but aware of their brokenness. Amen? I never wanted to pastor a church full of people who were like, I'm not broken, I'm good. Ugh, gross. No, you're not. I want to meet real human beings, amen, who are like, these are my problems, okay? They don't define me, but I'm not going to ignore them. I'm going to give them to the Lord. And so we believe that in this church, we'll walk in people who are authentic, who are real, who are honest, and who will take those broken pieces and together build towers upon which God's fire can shine so that this city on a hill can be known for Jesus, not the bull it's known for now. Come on now. And that's who we are. We base this in scripture, John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, 14, when he's talking on the Sermon on the Mount, he looks at his disciples and to you and he says, you are the light of the world. You see, it's not a misspoken conversation. Jesus is setting precedent here. He says, I am the daybreak. I am the sunrise. When God said, let there be, it was me. 
And for those of you who are in me and I in you, you are that same light. You're meant to walk into every atmosphere in which you get an opportunity to do and the atmosphere should change. The light should flicker on. People should be like, it just got warmer in here. And you'd be like, that's right, I came to heat it up, baby. Let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> We're gonna talk about how to do that for real. Jesus says, you are the light and no one who lights a light would put it under a jar. No one who lights a light would hide it under a bed. But how many of us here today, today, right here, that is you. Let's talk about this for a second. Many of us, we know Jesus, he's right here. We love him. He's so wonderful. He's so great. We pray. We, we worship. We, we, we like church. We even give. And when pastor said we're going to give more, we were like, no, all right. Okay, all right, all right. But, but when pressed with an unbeliever, when meeting somebody with whom a clear articulation of the gospel would change their circumstances, we say nothing. Have you ever been there? You don't have to show your hands, but have you been there? Think about it in your head. A moment in time where you know like, oh, later on you're in your car and you're like, I should have just told them about Jesus. No. You've been there. You've said it many a time. Someone's hurting and you try to find the most gentle thing to say that's not God. Well, you know, uh, things happen for a reason. You're like, what am I talking about? Have you ever said just these pithy phrases that are meant to comfort when you know you're supposed to say, wow, the hell you're in is the consequence of your sin and the wages of sin is death and Jesus came to save you. I don't know what to tell you. It's super simple. And you're like, why would I ever say that? Why? Why would you ever say that to someone who's suffering from this sin? Do you know why? Because that's the most loving thing you can say. Patting somebody on the back while they're stuck in their sin is killing them. Hear me. You are doing nobody favors by saying, oh, it's okay. Your friend and his girlfriend, they wanna to live together, they don't wanna get married. And you're like, cool, not cool. And you not telling them the truth is wrong. Oh, we got real today, right? But let me flip it, because I don't wanna make you feel bad and just say it's wrong, let me flip it on you. The most caring, kind, loving thing you can say is, is this God's highest and best for you? Most of us are what Jesus says. We are the light, but we hide it under a jar because we're afraid of hurting feelings. Amen? He says, but no one who lights a light would do that, and so why are you? The second example he makes is no one would put it under a bed. What he's saying is, well, you know, when you're a teenager, everything you don't want to look at goes under your bed. Amen? We have two boys, and I'm like, clean your room. And then I come under, and I'm like, what happened under here? The bed is where you put things you just don't want to pay attention to, things you want to ignore for a season. Jesus is talking to those of us who for a moment have found that like church and Jesus is good on Sunday, but I don't have much need for it the rest of the time. And he's saying, why would you ever light your light only to ignore it? And you're like, well, at least I'm not neglecting it. At least I'm, I'm not denying Jesus. But in both instances, whether you put the light under a jar or you hide it under the bed, both instances, that flame will be extinguished. Amen. And Jesus is talking very clearly to us. He says, I'm the light that never goes out and I choose to shine in you. So how are you keeping the flame burning? Paul says in Romans chapter three, there is not one good. 
No. Not one. Paul's writing to the believers in Rome to combat a teaching that says Christianity is but one way. And the world is subscribed to this very same idea today. You know people right now who are not, they say this phrase, right? You've heard this? I'm not religious. I'm just spiritual. And I'm like, uh, everything's spiritual, bro. The Bible says that if you won't praise him, the rocks will cry out. So frankly, you're just as spiritual as the rocks. That don't make no sense. Look, here's the deal. The world loves to say there are many pathways. And some of us have even bought into the lie that says, I don't have to be obedient. Grace has saved me if I can just be a good person, if I can just do the right things. The whole world loves this. Many people even think that Jesus was a good man. They'll deny that he was a savior, but a wonderful teacher. But a wonderful teacher who says that their God is either a liar or the real deal. Come on now. And so here's the thing I want you to understand about this is that when Jesus is talking in this moment to these disciples and yes, to you and I here right now, he is saying, I am the light and I've chosen to put myself into you. Ready? Because this world is desperate to see me in you. Desperate. If it is really true that Paul says there's not one good, then I want to tell you this. We Christians, (laughs) ready? We're kind of holding the whole thing together. Straight up, listen to me. If there were no believers shining the light of Jesus Christ, then this whole world would be chaos and darkness and death. Amen? If there were not Christians everywhere in this world speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ in boldness, then this world would be full of chaos and darkness, which is exactly what it was before God created it. And I'm going to be honest with you. If it gets to that place, it's over. So ready? I don't mind telling you this in all boldness. We Christians, we're kind of holding the whole thing together. People are like, this world's falling apart. And you're like, yes, it is. But if it wasn't for me. (laughs) Now, I'm not trying to build your ego, but I am trying to build your God ego to remind you just how pivotal, how valuable, how important, how vital you are to the world around you. You absolutely matter. You must shine the light of Jesus. Ready? It's not optional. So let's talk about the purpose of light. You know what? Let's do something else. This is for later, but I, let's just do this because I don't know how much time we're going to have. Um, when I tell you to shine, you should be in your heart thinking, how? Right? You ever hear somebody say, like, it's time to go out and evangelist and share your faith? Or if I were to say this right now to you, how many of you can articulate the gospel in two sentences very clearly right now? What if I called you up? (laughs) You in the third row in the flannel. If I were to call you up, one of your friends just looked at you. I'm just playing. If I were to call you up and say, stand before us and give us the gospel message in three sentences, include things like sin, salvation, redemption, regeneration. Talk to us about sola fide, through faith, through grace. Could you do that? Don't worry, you're not alone. Most of us could not. Most Christians cannot articulate the gospel. And so when pastors stand before you and they say, it's time that you share the gospel, most people are like, how do I even start? 
And we're gonna talk about this. This is the seed that has begun our conversation about how to be disciples who make disciples. We're gonna go over this over the next six to nine months so that you become fully equipped to lead the people around you to salvation. But before we do it, we should start in the basics, which is how do I do it? Let me show you a quick example from Jesus. Here's six ways. If you're taking notes, write this. Six ways to shine like Jesus. Are you ready? The first one is this, just join. In Matthew 2, Jesus finds Levi, the tax collector, whom he'll later name Matthew, who will write the gospel of Matthew. Levi is a disgraceful, disgusting traitor of a tax collector, and Jesus finds him and invites other sinners, and he sits at their table and enjoys time with them. One of the most valuable ways that you can begin to shine the light of Jesus in the world around you is to meet the world where they're at. There are a few pastors in this city and I've gotten the wonderful opportunity to meet over the last three months. And every, every time I get an invitation from one of these other pastors to meet, they invite me to this coffee shop. It's a Christian coffee shop in South Denver. And they all meet there. <laughs> and I don't like meeting there because it's only Christians. And they're like, well, we want to give our money to Christians. I'm like, no, I get that, but I'm buying a black coffee. It's $1.80. I want to be in the other places. I think it's very important for us as Christians to be mindful that when we get holy, we get serious. We also have a tendency to silo ourselves. We're like, suddenly we don't talk to anybody who's a sinner, (laughs) forgetting that last week we were a sinner. When I meet with people and I set the meeting, the coffee meeting, I almost always pick coffee shops that do not look like Christians belong there, right? I've met with people from this church in coffee shops underneath a pride flag. I've met in coffee shops underneath a pentagram. What? Why? Because we belong everywhere. Are you kidding me? We're not supposed to just go to Christian shops. Tell me the truth. Who are you leading to Christ when the person next to you is also a pastor? Come on! I'm telling you right now, believer, the best thing you can begin to do is walk into the world. I'm not telling you to compromise. I'm not telling you to fall into sin. I am telling you to be in the world, but not of the world. And most of us have been like, don't be of the world. No, first, be in the world. Find places where Christians don't go and be the Christian there. Be the Christian there. And when they're like, why are you always here? Well, I belong to this church and I love to meet with people and I just love Jesus. And they'll get freaked out and then you'll order a coffee and tip super good. And then they'll be like, that Christian's awesome. (laughs) Number one, join them where they are. Number two, you ready this? Serve them. In John chapter two, Jesus, even before he really wants to, turns the water into wine at a wedding. Why? Because they just needed some help. See, in this time, wine was different. Wine wasn't the same sort of (laughs) high-powered octane fuel that people are drinking in the wineries here. Wine was the preferred drink because water was very hard to purify and come by. And so wine, through its fermentation process, would actually purify itself. Now, it had alcoholic content in it, but it was far lower. And so in that day and age, it's not that Jesus was just getting the party started, right? (laughs) Let's whip it up. Jesus... Jesus had seen that the party at his mother's instruction had run out of wine, which is, which is a disgrace for a party host in that culture. In the ancient Near East, you were meant to provide for 
And still today in Jewish cultures, it is your duty to care for those with whom you invite in. And so when the wine ran out, it was a big problem. And so Jesus, just because they needed the help, helped. And if you read the entire account, only the servants knew that Jesus didn't, did, that he did it. He didn't use it as an opportunity to point to himself. He just helped. Ready? Right now, there's a non-believer or someone you know that's far from God, and they just need your help. If you help, you'll get an opportunity to share the gospel. But please don't walk in. First things first. Amen? Ready? Hear me, right? They're in the backyard. They're doing a little digging, and they're sweating, and you're like, you know, you're a sinner um, in need of a savior. No! No! He's going to be like, what in the world? No, pick up a shovel, right? Just go pick up a shovel. Just be present. Just help when there's help that's needed. Jesus says, join, serve. Number three, listen. In John chapter five, verses two through eight, Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda. It's full of invalids, people who are unable to walk, people with afflictions, and they're all trying to get into the water as the water stirred up by the spirit. Jesus sees a man, an invalid, who's been at the pool some 30 some years, and he sits with the man, and before he offers any word of encouragement or help, before he even reveals who he is or what kind of situation he's gonna change, Jesus just sits and asks questions and listens to the man's story story. Can I ask you this? How often are you listening to people around you? This is actually a harder push for the men. Women, I find, are actually better at listening. Well, I'll say it this way. (laughs) Yeah, you better clarify that. (laughs) Hold on, listen. I actually find that women are better at engaging in dialogue, meaning that when they speak, they'll finish their sentence. And then when you speak, they will listen to, to hear you. I find that men, on the other hand, are just waiting for you to finish because they got a zinger in the back pocket. I even see this in interpersonal relationships. I, I, I do go to coffee shops and I watch people and I see men do this all the time. They will, and tell me women, you just chuckle, but if he's next to you, don't do anything. <laughs> men will do this thing where they'll be talking to the woman and when they're talking, they'll look right at her. But when she's talking, they're looking around. There it is. I don't know what this is about us, fellas, but the truth of the matter is is that we have got to do a better job of listening to people, especially in the midst of their struggle. Is it challenging? Can it be awkward? Absolutely, but Jesus didn't shy away from the invalid who, if you really read the story, is mostly just complaining. He's not solution-based. He's just complaining, and Jesus lets him get it all out, and then he says, you want to get better? But see, that moment wouldn't have happened if he didn't let the man share. So join, serve, listen. Number four, Matthew 6, 5 through 8, Jesus shares. You should join, listen, serve, and share. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the people are asking many questions, the most important of which is, how do we pray? And Jesus doesn't even make this big, grandiose statement around it. He says, very simply, ready? When you pray, pray like this. And he just gives them the prayer that he prays. It's a perfect model. And what I'm telling you right now is that the list is built like this, such that if you can join people where they are, if you'll help them when they're in need, if you'll listen to them, ready, they'll listen to you. And if they'll listen to you, you you don't have to be some theologian or some well-spoken hero of the faith. All you have to really be is real about your faith. And they might just say like, so I don't get, you really go to church? Yeah. 
I really go. I've, I've like this, I'm this family there. It's just, it's awesome. It's different. I know what you're thinking about church, but the place I go to, it's, it, it feels real. It feels like I'm seen. I'm pushed, but I feel like I'm growing. Do you see how that conversation is far different than the judgment that many of us think about in witness and outreach? But it only comes through these ways of shining like Jesus. Number five and six, and then we'll move on. Number five is John 4, verses 4 through 26. Jesus stays. And I want to push many of us in this. Jesus finds the Samaritan, Samaritan woman at the well, and he sits with her, and he engages with her, and he talks with her, asking her many questions. And if you read the text, this woman is combative. She's frustrated. She's confused. If you really understand, she doesn't know why this guy's talking to her, and she'd rather he didn't. She's actually pushing Jesus away, and he never moves a muscle. See, most of us have learned all the pop psychology around setting boundaries in interpersonal relationships, and we've overlaid them in our outreach relationships. So when someone who's a sinner and sick and needs of a savior gets kind of messy, we're like, whoa, that's just not a boundary I like to cross. Well, I'm not asking you to date them. I'm asking you to save them. And if someone was drowning and they splashed you, you wouldn't say, well, now no, that's a boundary. I don't, I don't get wet. Would you? You wouldn't say, I'm sorry, but as you've been drowning, you've been using some foul language and I don't tolerate foul language. As they're drowning and you jumped in and they started to pull you under, you wouldn't say, whoa, hold on. I will assist you if it doesn't cost me anything. That's not what salvation really looks like. It's a messy deal. And so I want to tell you, like, when we're talking about this, people are going to offend you. They're going to be messy. They're going to be ugly. They're going to say things deliberately empowered by the enemy who will hurt your feelings and cross boundaries. And you have to stay. Hear me. I'm not talking about your relationships, romantic or familial. Set boundaries. Be safe. Do the right thing. I'm talking about people who are going to hell and you're the only one with the secret that can save them. And you said, well, I'll give it to you if only you play the right game. Jesus stays with her. She pushes back until finally at the end, she says, I perceive that you're more than a prophet. See, the revelation comes in the faithfulness. Last one, ready? It's this, give. First John 3.16 tells us that Jesus freely gave his life. He laid it down for us. And the implication is so clear, so simple. Jesus does it for us and we are called to do the same for others. I want to tell you this. Greater love has no man than to lay his life down for another. Living a life where Jesus shines through you it's evangelistic in nature and missional and speaks truth to hard situations is the perfect embodiment of what it means to lay your life down. Will you be offended? Yes. Will you be rejected? Of course. Will the neighbor that you thought was your friend turn their back on you? Probably, yeah. But wouldn't it be better to suffer those consequences here than to be standing in the line for judgment and you get to go through one door and they go through the next? And you're like, well, I just, I loved coming to dinner on Saturdays and I didn't want to offend you guys. Amen? All right, let's talk about this. We have 10 minutes. Great, wonderful. Where, where to go? Uh, we have two 
main ideas I want to show you real quick and then we'll close this out. Verse 17, Jesus says something very important. He says, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known or come to light. I want to tell you this today, that the light of Jesus and the light inside of you has a purpose. We have to talk about the purpose of light. It's found in John chapter one, verses four and five. Essentially, it's this, the light overcomes the darkness. Light is always sent to darkness. Open a dark room, it's pitch black, flick on one light, everything changes, amen? Even the smallest of lights, be it a candle or a match, one of these can lights dimmed all the way down to zero will change a completely dark and chaotic room into some place where I can find my way. The light in you is meant to cause change and to affect a purpose in the people around you. I want you right now to think about somebody in your life who's lost in the dark. Someone you love. You don't have to tell me who they are. I just want you to think about it. Someone you know that you care about, family, friends, coworker, who's far from God. They, they don't know. And if he came today, they're doomed. Do you have them in your mind? I want to share you a statistic and then I want to push you about that person. The SBC, which is the Southern Baptist Convention, they're the largest Protestant denomination in the country. So 47,000 churches call them home. And, and just so you're not worried, our doctrinal statement in theirs are nearly mirror images. Most modern churches today who are, who are non-denominational believe very similar things. And so they, they do a great job of tracking data. And there's some data I want to show you right now. They looked at their 47,000 churches, the SBC, and they found the following to be true. 95% of Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 85% of Christians do not witness, just don't. And 65% of Christians believe it's not their job at all. Not my job. In fact, the 35% who believe that it is their job, they're the anomaly, and it's from them that the other percentages are taken. So if you have the whole 100 believers, only 35% it's their job, and out of them only 5% have ever actually achieved one salvation. That's why the data shows us that the modern American church is dying. It's not because God's lost its power, it's because we stopped fighting. We just gave up. In fact, 65% of people don't believe it's their job. You know who they believe it's the job of to lead people to Christ? Do you know who it is? It's my job. Most believers believe it's my job to, be, to lead people to Christ, okay? Think about the person in your mind. You have them in your head right now? Okay. Their salvation is not my responsibility. Hear me. Your coworker, your brother, your friend, your spouse, their destiny is not my responsibility. It's yours. It is 100% your job. That's why they're in your life. If they were my job, they'd be in my life. And don't get it wrong. I got a few people in my life. My neighbor is fighting hard, but I'm gonna get him. 
He's like, they avoided us for almost three weeks after I talked about Jesus. <laughs> but I'm always waving. I'm going to get you. Because he's my responsibility. He's mine. God sent him to me. And the people in your life that you love who are far from God, hear me, that's your job. That's your job. And he's put you there for them. And you said, Pastor, I don't even, I mean, how could I ever do this? I don't know what to say. I, I don't even know how to break the conversation. I don't even think I have enough of this in me. How many of you have ever felt ill-equipped to, to, to witness because you just didn't even know what to say? How many have ever watched a YouTube video of an atheist that just destroys a Christian and you're like, that's why I don't witness, no way. I'm gonna get burned alive in front of these people. And the truth is, is that you're right. Most of us, we just simply don't have enough armor, ammunition, or tools necessary to fulfill the mission and the responsibility that is the people we love who are far from God. We just don't have anything that will help us do it. And so Jesus says in verse 18, he says this, take care then, take care then, take care how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Now, I want you to understand this. This is Jesus come, kind of closing this parable and he's saying this, don't lose your flame. Don't lose your, I wore the shirt. <laughs> you should realize I wore this shirt because we've preached this before because it's part and parcel to our identity as a church. Jesus is saying, do not lose your flame. He's not saying, I will take it away from you. He's not saying that. Verse 18 is not saying, lean into me or I'll remove it from you. He's not bad like that. He's not mean like that. He's not evil like that. He is saying, what I deposit into you must be cultivated. The soil must be watered. The plant must be shined upon. I want to tell you this today. Christians are leaky. <laughs> Amen? Like most of us will come today and be filled. You will have taken notes and be filled. And then by the end of the day, it begins to leak out of you. How many of you have experienced this before? It's like, yes, I'm ready for Jesus. And Wednesday, what was that message about? Because we leak. And Jesus is saying, I need you to be mindful. He says these words, take care then how you hear. Don't just let this come in one ear and out. The gospel is precious. These are the words of life. When a pastor preaches to you and says, there is sin, there is an enemy, there is hell, but there is one God who can save you. He loves you. That is the most valuable sentences that you can hear. Take care then how you hear because by your own nature, you'll get lazy. You'll devolve. Canaan, bring those matches to me. You'll You'll burn out. This is us. Sunday morning. Oh man, that worship is so good. And then they didn't even sing that third song because it was like just the Holy Spirit was there. But it got a little weird, so I blew it out. Like, because I, I don't really like to worship like that. Oh, but then the word came. Oh, man, it was a hard one, and it really pushed me. And I was like, I was, you know what? To be honest with you, he's right. I don't witness as much as I should. I really need to get serious about this. I got a few people that need to hear the gospel, and I don't, I don't really know how to do it. Um, but I think I'm going to start tomorrow. 
well, I, I have meetings tomorrow. I think what I'm going to do is probably next week if I, you know, what I, what I think I'm going to do, here's where I'm going to, no, oh, shoot. Friday came. Hold on. Hey, we were in church again. But the Bronco game was on at two, so I had to run. Y'all with me? We're going to the Bluebird. I joined a service team. I've never been on a service team before. It was weird because it was really hard and I sweat a ton. So during church, I was sweaty and stinky. But then I met this other person and they served alongside me. Oh, shoot. I didn't get their number. But then I came back the following Sunday and I served again and I did meet them again and we talked and I got their number. And so then this happened. Actually, I kind of like that because I feel like the enemy's trying to fight what? The spirit of unity. Come on now. So what happens is we get fired up and then we light ourselves and then we light another 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 and we stay lit more often, amen? Turn the lights on real quick. I wanna show you something. Nothing burned, amen? Okay, here's the deal. It's actually not just church, okay? It's so much more, but church is an on-roads to growing in your faith, okay? I want you to understand that you, by your nature, will burn out and this thing that captivates you today will captivate you less tomorrow and ready if this Sunday is all you have to light your fire you will never have what's necessary to fulfill the call on your life hear me Sunday's not enough you said pastor what am I supposed to do go to church every single day and I'm going to tell you, no, you're not supposed to go to church every single day, but you are supposed to be in communion with the Lord every single day. And so we make it easy for you. You come on Sunday and then you can be in a small group on Tuesday. We got two out of five. You join the worship team rehearsals on Friday. That's three out of five. You make friends with somebody in this church. You get to go out to coffee or to lunch or whatever it may be. That's four out of seven days. You're hooked up. You're connected. But that's still not enough. I want to tell you that the real secret to keeping your flame alive is right here. It's so simple. It's, it's just, it's, it's ready. It's just this. It's just your word. You're like, yeah, of course he's going to tell me that because he's the pastor and he wants me to read my Bible. Yup, <laughs> that's it. I'm going to tell you this right now. You have to know the Bible. Why? So you can be a better evangelist? Sure. So you know how to fight through life's struggles with power? Absolutely. But more importantly, because this is God's word to you. It's a love letter. It's instruction. It's poetry. And if you really saw it for what it was, which was the God who created all things decided to write a note to you, you'd have that note on your desk every day. If it was a post-it note that said, love you so much, every day you'd be like, I love you too, Jesus. <laughs> and here it is. And you say, pastor, it's, it's hard. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand it. The Bible is confusing. Good. Practice it. 
The Bible takes practice. It's an ancient document. In here is actually treaty language. There's instruction about how to kill animals. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in here, right? But if you don't know the purpose behind it, if you don't practice it, then you'll never get good at it. The first time you rode a bike, did it work? No. But the more you kept riding a bike with somebody behind you, come on now, you got better and better until you were like, take them training wheels off and let go of my seat. I'm going down the hill by myself. And I'm trying to tell you today, get some practice in. So here it is. Let's put that last slide up. There are three reading plans on this screen today. And if you're not reading the Bible every day, I want you to pick one. The first one is a proverb a day. This is what I give to every single addict I meet. Brand new in recovery. I say, start right here. Just read one proverb every day. It's the words of wisdom. It's a way of getting a better understanding of God's ways that are not our ways, amen? Super simple. Number two, the gospel of Mark. Mark is the gospel that's the shortest, it's the sweetest. I like to call it the cliff notes on Jesus. For those of us who don't have time to read the whole textbook, Mark is the cheat sheet. And if you read through the book of Mark in a month, you'll get a better understanding of who he is. Or maybe you're in here and you're like me and you're like, what's the hardest reading plan, ready? the Bible in a year. But I'm going to challenge you, okay? Do not do this alone. Don't learn to ride a bike all by yourself on a highway. If you're going to read this, I want you to email me. That's my email. That's my actual email. That's not a fake pastor email. That's the one I actually answer. CB at Denver Beacon. And I want you to take it down. And if you're going to read the Bible in a year, I want you to email me and I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do it with you. We're gonna read it together and we're gonna talk about stuff together. And you're like, well, what if I get stuck in Leviticus? Cool, we'll get stuck together. It's weird. Well, we're gonna do this together and here's my challenge to you. I don't care if you pick the Proverbs. I don't care if you go for the gospel. I don't care if you go for the Bible in a year. What I care about is that you get into the word a little bit every day because that's the flame. Wonder why you don't have the courage to fulfill the mission? Because you don't got no courage. And the Bible is full of courage. Last note and then we're gonna stand in worship. There is a notion amongst the church that says, I don't understand the Bible, so I come to church because my pastor understands the Bible. Have you ever heard that before? Have people in our church and they're like, I just don't see it like you. If you've been thinking that, if you've been thinking that there are people in this church or in the body of Christ who know this better or to whom God speaks more clear, or if you've ever heard a pastor say, God talks to me for you, kill that. No, he doesn't. I don't know this any better than you. I don't have a deeper or more spiritual relationship with you. Ready? He don't talk to me for you. He talks to us through this. I just, ready? Ready? I just have a little more practice. That's it. It's because I'm a nerd. I freaking love this thing. So I'm in it all the time and you can be too. And when you get there, joy unspeakable joy unspeakable. You won't have to fight these battles by yourself. You won't have to live like the world lives. The devil will throw you something and you'll be like, eh, no thing. The Bible says you'll be equipped for this fight. That's our push, okay? So here's the deal. If you don't read the Bible every day right now, that's not you. Pick one, pick one, pick one, and just get into it. Amen? Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org. To download our Beacon app, 
Text Beacon to 97000. Once again, text Beacon to 97000. Or join us in person at Beacon this Sunday, 10 a.m. at Comedy Works, 1226 15th Street in Denver, Colorado. Whatever you do, please remember to be the light. Let's go! Let's go!